Tuesday, February 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me today, Mr. Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We've got commercial real estate. We're going to talk education tech and we will dip into the full mailbag, but we're going to start with the deal of the day, which features the stock of the day, Glue Mobile, a developer of mobile games. Shares of Glue Mobile up more than 30% because it is being bought by Electronic Arts. And this is a cash deal. Shares of Electronic Arts are up slightly as well, which uh, is always my indication that uh, Wall Street as a group thinks that they're paying a good price for this. Uh, yes, or that the deal simply makes sense. Uh, you're right to, to point out that looking at the uh, uh, acquirer's uh, stock movement, usually, if, you're, if you don't know anything at all, you're, you're guessing that it's going to go down uh, on the day of. But uh, in the recent past, it's, it's been much more uh, the acquirer's stock has gone up. I don't think that's because they're getting some special uh, great price, you know, certainly not uh, getting Glue Mobile while it's uh, down. Um, but uh, it, it's a deal that obviously makes sense. Um, game maker acquiring a mobile game maker. Uh, it, it doubles uh, EA's uh, mobile business and it gives them some high profile names uh, to add to the ones they already have. And, you know, as we see from time to time when deals are made, regardless of the industry, um, Shares of Zynga are up 4% just because Zynga is in the business of mobile games. And, and a deal like this, um, among other things, is sort of this tacit stamp of approval on mobile games as a growth area. Uh, sure. And, you know, you look at something like uh, Glue Mobile's better known game, best known, I suppose, Kim Kardashian Hollywood. I don't know as much about that game as you do. Chris, um, I haven't played it as much as you, I suppose, uh, in that I've never played it, and surely you have. I've never even heard of this game until you just mentioned it. Didn't know that was the feature for for Glue Mobile. That, I did that's not. kind of leading the headlines on on the acquisition. Uh, yeah. Uh, so if you've ever wanted to, I don't know, play something that involves Kim Kardashian in Hollywood. Uh, you will in the future have to do it under uh, electronic arts. Not yet. It's still uh, glue mobile for another quarter until the deal finalizes. Uh, now get back to your point on Zynga. Yeah. You're going to see everything that looks the most like glue go up since it's uh, up 33%. That's going to mean that the things that looked the most like it, if acquired might be undervalued, but to the tune of 30 some percent today. And that's what, uh, the short-term betting is on at the moment. Simon Property Group is the largest mall operator in America, and shares are up 4% because Simon Property updated and improved their guidance for 2021. And we also have Jones Lang LaSalle out with their fourth quarter report. Profits came in higher than expected. Um, take them in whichever order you want, but just uh, on the surface, you, you got two big commercial real estate companies here with um, positive signs. Let's just start with that. Positive signs. I'll give you that. Uh, Simon Property is acting a little bit better as a stock at the moment for the day than, than Jones Lang LaSalle has so far. Um, you know, so it's one of the major 
uh, mall operators, owners and operators. And obviously it's been a very tough year, uh, which can be summed up, I think, by uh, sort of the, the um, numbers that they break out uh, for Q2 through Q4 in uh, what they've collected. And so they say that they've collected 90% of their net build rents. Um, and what that actually breaks down to is if you ignore the 100 million in bankruptcy related write-offs, the 340 million in deferrals that they've agreed to on payments, the 410 million that they've agreed to, uh, 410 million on abatements, um, then it's 90% of that after you adjust all that. So really it's about 70 to 75% of the original contracted amounts. Look, they're letting tenants uh, you know, not pay some things. Obviously the stuff that's in bankruptcy, they can't do much about. Uh, they've agreed to collect some rents later. They've agreed to acquire some of, uh, or at least significant uh, parts of, of the businesses of some chains. So rather than have a, a bunch of stores go under, they're the owners of those stores since they are in a healthier financial position than some of their tenants. Uh, it's been a tough year. They're in the properties you would want to be in, real you know, landmark uh, malls. And I think that uh, you know, things look a little better today. They look a little better every day uh, for something like a mall operator than they did three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago. This earnings season, we've seen almost this scattershot across the market, across different industries in terms of businesses and their willingness to offer guidance for 2021 and beyond. Um, I think it's reasonable when we're talking about whether it's mall operators or something like Jones Lang LaSalle and office buildings, I think it's perfectly reasonable to, to sit back and say, you know what, we're just not going to know for a while. You know, there is a version of this for Simon property where six months from now, and then for the subsequent 12 months after that, we do see sort of this swell of customers back into malls and therefore tenants as well, in part because people have just been cooped up for so long. And the same can be true for office buildings as well. Yeah, there's a lot harder uh, job for Jones Lang LaSalle to give guidance. I'm not sure that they did or what their standard practice on that is. With Simon, it's a little bit easier. You know what your contracts are for the year. You've got some reasonable numbers about you know, how many of those tenants are going to struggle to pay rent. You can make some projections. You don't have as many moving parts of your business as Jones Lang LaSalle, and you don't have your uh, business, you do have part of your business, part of the rents that Simon property takes in are based on percentage of sales within the, the malls, but still they've got enough expertise to, to make some, make some reasonable guesses as long as, as they pointed out in their guidance, there are not any further governmental ordered shutdowns, um, of the malls. So what's open now is open is part of the guidance. If there are any closed. Um, you know, they have expectations of when those will open. Jones Lang LaZelle, I mean, they're much more tied into the real estate market itself. And as prices adjust, uh, as, as tenants figure out 
what they can do. Um, that is something that, that Jones Lang LaSalle cannot control to the degree that it, uh, from what I can see, is, is comfortable giving guidance right now. Chegg's fourth quarter profits came in higher than expected. The education tech company also raised their guidance for the new fiscal year. Um, this is one of those stocks that has uh, doubled over the past year uh, because when you're in the business of educational technology uh, and remote learning being what it is, um, not a surprise that we, you know, we're not seeing big movement out of Chegg shares today, but certainly over the past year, this has been a, a winner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have uh, grown the business uh, by about uh, 64% uh, total revenues uh, fourth quarter over last year's fourth quarter. One of the reasons they can give guidance is that one thing that is reasonably predictable is that uh, kids, high school, college kids will cheat. And uh, their favorite method of cheating these days is using Chegg, uh, which has uh, a library of uh, problem sets and uh, quiz answers and and things like that that uh, students more and more are using um, to either get their homework done or use on tests. And it's uh, well known uh, in the student community that this is uh, for 15 bucks a month. You get access to a whole lot of potential answers and um, they are doing that, and and I don't think that that the willingness of students to cheat is probably not one of those variables that has been uh, changed much during the pandemic. You think that shows up in their filings with the SEC, where it's just you know it's it's you know under risk factors. It's like, look, we don't think this is likely, but if if all of a sudden en mass students decide. Um, that uh, they don't want to engage in cheating, that, that could hurt our business. The new morality, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's, I'm willing to take the other side of that risk. Like if that risk is priced into the stock, that students will be more ethical in the future uh, than they have been in the past, I'll, I'll take that risk and uh, take the discount that that provides. But it was a, look, that's, it's not all their business and, and, when I say that students are using Chegg to cheat, they're also using it for what it says that, it, that all these materials are designed for, which is help students learn, help students get um, answers and guidance uh, through a, a variety of different modules that they have. Uh, and you can get uh, plenty out of Chegg from what I hear from the students that I know best, and I'm not going to name any names here, uh, but, but you can, you can use uh, it up to a point uh, without paying for anything. You don't get that like answer, but you, you can get sort of uh, guidance on some, they show you like a little bit of, of a problem. And, and sometimes you can use it to, to just get started on things, but they've, they've got, as I say, 64% is the year over year revenue growth. They're not guiding to nearly that level of growth uh, for 2021, having already, processed it uh, this year, uh, but I think it's it's somewhere in the ballpark of 20, 25%. It sounds like there are people in your world that are doing some boots on the ground research. And, you know, at, at Market Foolery, we applaud that. We applaud boots on the ground research in all its forms. Yeah. I imagine that if you talk to any students that you know well, they would be able to tell you about friends of theirs who have been known 
to chag, uh, it being a verb now, chegging um, among uh, the student population. I'm not saying that you know any students directly who have ever employed Chegg's uh, $14.95 a month services to get a wealth of answers to tests and homework, but they may know people, these students that you know. Historically, it all kidding aside, historically, it has worked out well for businesses and their shareholders when the name of that business becomes a verb to Google, yes. to Zoom. Yeah, it becomes a, a, a moat. Um, and just as the, the Zoom um, is there and there are competing services, uh, some of which may be close to uh, the same level of quality as Zoom, some of which certainly are not. Um, but uh, yeah, if, you, if you've got the verb for what you do, you're in good shape. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Got an email from a longtime listener and uh, member of uh, our Motley Fool One service. And, and he asked that we not use his God-given name. So we're not going to do that. Um, but uh, it was a lengthy email. Um, so I'll just sort of sum up. He, he prefaced the email by saying that you, Bill Barger, you're his favorite guest on Market Foolery. So, so he, that was the start of his email. Barker's my favorite. Um, so keep that in mind when I say what I'm about to say. And he went on to respond to some comments you made on last Thursday's show when you were talking about eBay um, having grown 6% annually over the last 15 years. And because I was saying, hey, you know, eBay is sort of underrated. And your response is like, hey, you look at the performance, it's not that great. Um, and this guy said, you know, Bill is completely ignoring the PayPal spinoff in July of 2015. I can vouch uh, that the last batch of shares of eBay that I bought 15 and a half years ago are up about 9x or over 14% annually when considering both the eBay and PayPal shares from that purchase. And that doesn't even include the dividends that eBay started paying in 2019. So um, taking issue fairly, it seems, with your math. A couple of corrections. One the, uh, is that uh, he didn't say that I was his favorite. He said, you two are a favorite duo of mine. So really, it's, it's you as well. And, you know, we're just in the top, probably top 10 favorite duos of his from The Motley Fool, is my guess. Uh, and yeah, no, this is, this is the perfect way I think to, uh, you know, write something like this is to, you know, be polite and, and if compliments, uh, about the, the other things that, that people are doing, come into play, use them, uh, you're going to get more, uh, you know, positive response. And, uh, yeah, he's absolutely right. I was relying on, somebody's data, a uh, pretty high profile source. Uh, and Chegg? Did you get it from Chegg? It was not from Chegg. If okay. I used it from Chegg, <laughs> it probably would have been better off. Um, no, a pretty well-known name. Anyway, they, they, this uh, source of data was using, I think, just the raw eBay stock price, uh, which had not adjusted for the PayPal uh, spinoff and therefore uh was highly incomplete and uh, my reliance upon that was uh, was my mistake and um, absolutely eBay uh, even if uh, you know you sold all of your PayPal the day that it spun it off 
and, and went out and spent the money that day, uh, no, you still ended up with a lot better return uh, over the last 15 years than, than 6%. I haven't had time to go back and do the math, but, but Bloomer, who the PS says, we may refer to the author of this email as Bloomer, uh, is, is absolutely correct and right to correct us and, and, and get the record uh, corrected on, on eBay. Um, we got a couple more emails from different people, um, uh, and, and you ID'd this story as well. So I just uh, want to mention, yes, we have seen the most recent uh, data, three major studies uh, using analytical tools from the American Heart Association about the health benefits of not just coffee, but caffeinated coffee. Uh, just uh, the study going out of its way to say this, you know, the benefits that we're seeing in terms of reducing over the long term the risk of heart failure, uh, you want to go with caffeinated coffee because the benefits did not extend to decaf coffee. Yes, and the studies also, I think, pointed out that they, they were promoting black coffee uh, and that the uh, costs of putting in um, milk, dairy, and, and sugar uh, into the coffee uh, were not good for your heart. And um, so, yes, we, we exist on the show partly to promote the health benefits of coffee. And here's yet another uh, highly scientific study. Hope there, I hope everybody out there still believes in science. And um, that, that if, if that's an excuse to drink a little more coffee, it, it goes into, this is another one of those studies, like the benefits just keep going, right. the more coffee you drink in a day. So if, if, if like, if, if you live with somebody who says, oh, but it's not good to have like that eighth cup of coffee, if you live with somebody like that who, who attempts to throw that at you, you just said, no, 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 not, not according to this study. Yeah. At this hour, you're going to have coffee at this hour. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, according to the people at the uh, little place we like to call the American Heart Association uh, and the massive study they did involving thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. I'm just trying to be healthy. How great would it be, by the way, if, if, if Starbucks, Dunkin', Whoever, someone just, or even just a local coffee shop just started a small campaign and it was just get healthy. That was the tagline <laughs> there. Uh, so, you know, I've had welcome the to Joe's coffee shop, get healthy, had the experience of going into a Starbucks in California where it's mandated that they have to uh, show the warnings about some, you know, one of the, one of those studies that if you were actually a mouse and you had, you know, some like Michigan Lake sized quantity of coffee, uh, it would register this minute uh, cancerous element that actually doesn't cause cancer. But there, there's all, it's it's a long warning that that was up at the uh, the last Starbucks in California that I was at was some years ago. So the laws may have changed, uh, and is is unfortunate and and not. I think, uh, you know, I think it's that that's been refuted uh, in a number of places. Look, the, if if you have hypertension, coffee's not good for you. Um, high blood pressure, hypertension, shouldn't be doing it. And there are reasons for uh, pregnant women not to drink coffee. But as far as I know, everybody else should be. Ask your doctor if coffee is right for you. 
Exactly. Don't take our word for it. <laughs> do, do, please do not take our word for it. Do your own research. But uh, our, our research seems to indicate that we should be drinking as much as we do, which would be a problem if there were anything wrong with coffee. Thank God we have that validation. All right, Bill Barker, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.